Welcome, Jurassic fans, to the 163rd episode of Forever Nerd Podcast. I'm Daniel, your host, and this is the man who thinks of you as kind of a big cow, Matthew Millen. A big cow? <laughs> okay. At least well, you will be food <laughs> for T-Rexes. Be happy about that. Oh, God. Hello, no. everyone. Daniel, good sir. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. It's just that you know, before anyone thinks that I just got someone offended, if you remember that scene where Doctor Grant is talking about the Brachiosaurus with the kids, he says, "Think about her as kind of a big cow." So that's the reference, right? Now I didn't yeah. call anyone a big cow, right? Well, I'm not talking about your mama here, okay? So we're talking about references from Jurassic Park. Yes, your mama just happened to be fat. So, uh, I got news that you were pretty sick recently, that you got to drain your chick. Yeah. I got news because you sent me. So, how are we doing now? I'm, I'm better. I can talk properly and eat now. So, yeah. Uh, well, and well, I this... finished the antibiotics. So, I'm I'm ready to go. Nice, nice indeed. Well, it's great to have you back, mate. And it's I'm not good sure to be back. Yes, indeed. Not sure we are having a vegetarian today because you know things change quite a lot. But I hope we will have her. Anyways, so today we're doing a chapter twenty-five of an unwanted discovery. Hopefully, if she is not here today, she'll be still recording her lines. So, Matthew, have you got the file there? Yes, somewhere. Hold on. Somewhere. Over the rainbow. Here it is. What page is it? Oh, 25, chapter 25, you said? Yes, a terrifying roar. Roar. Oh, yeah. Forgot you do the American are. accent. So, all right, mate. So, let's do this one. You remember the rules you do, everyone. I do uh, Jacob Keane, and Larry will be doing the girls later on. But I will uh, still yeah. have to to do her, the voices, and then we replace them with hers. <laughs> Sounds yeah. fair. Yes. So I never feel like starting. Um. Let's go then. Chapter 25, A Terrifying Roar The next day's dawn was lazy, even though we were up early. It was already a habit for us to wake up with the sun, as we didn't have enough time for more sleep anyway. Lucy and I left behind our bunk and went back to the kitchen, where Alma was already working by a wood stove, frying in a huge pan some filleted meat accompanied by eggs. I hoped the meat was bacon, but even the smell was different. It seems that the fight against waste was continuing. We then greeted Mrs. Bozeman and asked her about her husband and Frost. Oh, Alexander has already gone out to see his animals. He loves to watch them early in the morning when they are still more dormant. He usually doesn't come back until he has fed them but it can take hours before they have warmed up enough to be active. 
I commented in astonishment. Exactly. So don't expect to see him before noon. Is your friend awake yet? By the way, I, I stole some of the wild boar that Alexander uses to feed the animals and set it aside to prepare for him. She said. These last words whispered and accompanied by a wink. That's very kind, Mrs. Bozeman. Lucy said with an approving expression. Why, child, not everyone has good taste like you. Sit down, please. Eat while it's hot. Obeying our generous hostess, we sat down at the table to enjoy the locally produced meat along with the eggs, which I really hoped were not of the same species. As Keen was slow to wake up after having coffee with Alma, we made our way to the veranda, where Frost was supposed to be. The scene on the veranda was slightly comical. On the rocking chair sat the heavy Dean, still wearing his usual outfit, and above him, the huge dog, whose body bent around the curve of Frederick Frost's belly, with its head resting on his chest, just inches from the dean's face. Lucy coughed lightly just to wake them both up, without either of them jumping to their feet, which would be dangerous for those involved. Our president opened the eyelids of his tiny eyes, just enough for us to see his pupil and found himself face-to-face -face with Sicarius. The huge dog had also woken up, and seeing Frost's eyes open gave him a vigorous lick on the cheeks. Don't, don't report this to anyone at the university. Speaking of dogs, is there hyena up yet? I don't think so, sir. So much the better. It will be just like the old times, then. Just learn and me. The memory of old times and Frost's background terrified us at that moment. What about the airboat, sir? None of us can pilot it, I reminded him. Well, damned lack of expertise. Get the worm, please. As we entered again, we heard a continuous conversation coming from the kitchen. But perhaps the correct term is a monologue. When we reached the room, Keen was at the table, taking the seat Lucy had previously taken. In front of him, the huge slice of roasted wild boar was filleted and garnished with sprigs of rosemary. Jacob's companion was still talking, perhaps not so much to him as to herself, and so she asked questions that she herself answered. In the meantime, King nodded slightly while politely cutting his meal. Finally, noticing our presence, Alma addressed us. Children, how, how is your friend out there? I hope Sicarius didn't bother him. Lucy returned. No, I assure you that they have already gotten along. Doctor, we need your presence to guide the boat. Oh, Lucy. Since the day you dragged me out of my house, I've barely had a chance to enjoy a cup of tea, and now you want to keep me from drinking coffee, too. For some reason, Lucy snorted at this comment, as if this was more than just King's usual tricks, as if she, too, had been deprived of something. No problem, she said, pretending to smile. We'll wait for you outside. 
I hope you can make it past the carriers on your own. Saying this, we turn toward the door once more. What? No, wait, please! And with that, he quickly chewed the portion he had on his fork and begged Alma to save the rest. With her approval, we had our biomedical doctor back and another trick had succeeded. Using the three of us as shields, Keen walked past the dog that had so frightened him and finally managed to reach the game, locking it as soon as we did. Now, out of danger, he seemed to build up incredible courage at the same desire for authority that he displayed when his life was not at stake. At his command, we then sat down in our seats in the airboat, Frost this time being the first to buckle up. So, King shouted, How do we know where the creature is? This bloody farm just got 20 kilometers longer. Exactly, replied Lucy. Bozeman said that he was fencing the edge of his land when he spotted the animal. That means that same distance in that direction. What Lucy had in front of her now was a perfect image of the dense cypress forest we had left behind, showing that the alligator ranch was the only obstacle for nature to proliferate there as well. Just by looking at the tight spacing of the trees, our pilot let his arms slacken in dismay. Great, he mocked. And how are we going to get this tank between the trunks? Need I remind you that this is a farm, Jacob? Frost asked ironically. He has the place surrounded. Take us to the end of the property and there should be an open path to the fence. King looked out over the water, gazing at the black figure that circled our boat and decided that he didn't need to be reminded where we were. Bringing the engine back to life, he got us out of there immediately, heating the jeans the device. At the far end, there was indeed a wider opening, through which a machine such as a bulldozer had previously made its way across the swamp. We could sail it at high speed, which for us meant 35 miles per hour. On the few islets that had naturally formed there, the alligators were resting, their huge mouths open and their bodies resting in the sun, until they had warmed up enough to become active. To our right, then, stood the metal fence, a double net of twisted diamond-shaped wire, both to protect the animals and to protect themselves from the animals, many of whom rested to the left of us. As we advanced into the heart of the swamp, however, their numbers began to thin out, as if they avoided going much further in. A few weeks ago, their territory had been extended, but the animals refused to spread out on the new ground, which was now beginning to get drier, while the swamp was replaced by mud, and the mud was replaced by the dry, crumbly ground that our boat could not pass through. So the four of us went down on the waterless and overgrown bank of the farm. The last corner of the enclosure is right there, Lucy whispered. This must be where the sighting happened. Shouldn't go ashore, Frost protested with a shiver. Those creatures were faster than Bozeman. We wouldn't stand a chance if we encountered one. Maybe I'll have a chance if I leave you behind. King hissed. Shush, 
said Lucy, calling for science. Ahead of us, a shadow loomed, half hidden by the underbrush. We remained static, trying to discover its nature before Dean acted. He threw a pebble directly at the shadow. The being emitted a high-pitched sound, very different from what you would expect from a monstrous creature. This was followed by a shrieking voice. Why, you wretch! Recognizing the timber, Frost rushed to the man's aid, as he now understood that he had hit Alexander Bozeman himself with the stone. Mr. Bozeman, I'm awfully sorry, the dean pleaded, helping the man to his feet. We mistook you for one of the creatures. Uh, complained the old man. And here I thought the only the serious leaker hated me. But what were you doing here? Lucy questioned him. Don't you know how dangerous it is to be alone here? Nonsense. I deal with mortal creatures every day. Do you really think I'm afraid of anything? Disengaging himself from Frost's arms, he added. You're the ones who should be careful. Especially you, partner. This last one directed at Keen, made him raise his frown and stare at the old man for a long moment. Slightly offended, Jacob turned to the gray-haired menace. It seems curious to me that you are here. Your wife told us that you would be feeding the alligators at this hour. Well, that's what I'm doing. Look, I no longer have the cuts of wild boar that I brought with me. Yes, I see. Well, if you excuse me, I have to get back to the ranch. A customer is coming today to trade some animals with me. Concealing his face with the brims of his wide-brimmed hunter hat, Bozeman passed us, still rubbing the arm that Frost had hit the stone, and being followed by a terrible odor, which came on as he left the brush he was crouched in. Getting to his narrow wooden canoe, he then paddled back to the farmhouse, following the path between the cypress trees, which was impossible for us. What a liar! Keen hissed, shaking his head in condemnation. Oh, Jacob, interjected Frost. No, he's right, Lucy said placidly. He is? The president asked her, surprised. Yes, he says he was feeding the animals. Well, which animals? Looking around, the dean realized that Lucy was right. The pattern we saw before extended to where we were now. There were no figures in the water, no animals on land. The whole area was eerily quiet. Don't you understand yet? Jacob Keane asked acidly. The alligators avoid this area because it poses a danger to them. Who knew that a reptile could be smarter than a president of a university, huh? You scoundrel! I should... Frost's voice was interrupted by a low sound, like the low-frequency roar that crocodilians emit. From somewhere behind us, the sound echoed, and I felt it vibrate my eardrums and chill my heart. Let's find out what Bozeman was up to here, Lucy announced. Saying this, she moved the tall grass that surrounded us out of the way, came to her knees, and moved the leaves from where Bozeman had been standing before. Once again, a putrid odor rose up and invaded our senses. 
Good heavens, Frost complained. Grabbing by the tailbones, Lucy lifted the body of a creature, already badly decomposed. Turning her find over, she exposed the inside to us, showing us that this was not a whole body, but something that had been sliced in half, as if by steel blades. I turned to the others, noticing now that Frost's eyes were wide with dread, and Keen's were half-closed with a pleased smile. Press stop recording.